Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wealth Journal podcast with me, Jay Hardy. Now, this week, I welcome Betty onto the podcast. Betty is the co-founder of the hugely successful Deadfellas NFT collection that has pretty much been going from strength to strength. And being honest, is probably my personal favorite NFT collection. Now, I don't own a Deadfellas currently, so that's an unbiased view, but I am a big fan of Betty, who she is, how she operates, and the work she is doing not just with Deadfellas, but also within the overall NFT space. Now, if this is the first time you've listened to The Wealth Journal, it's my goal through the podcast to learn about building wealth and share my journey with you, the listener, in the hope that we can all learn together. Now, I was really excited to have Betty onto the podcast. Putting the NFT element aside for a second, what Betty and her husband, Syke, have done is effectively build a huge brand and a business in a relatively short time frame. The volume traded on the collection at the time of recording is nearly £37 million or $50 million. So I was keen to learn about her approach, her experiences, her learnings, how they did this with a young family during a pandemic, homeschooling, etc., etc. And hopefully Betty's story can inspire you to pursue your own ambitions. Now remember... It's important to note that The Wealth Journal is not financial advice. Make sure you do your own research. The podcast is here for educational and entertainment purposes. We don't make any form of recommendations or anything like that. One thing I will add, unfortunately, that I had a slight microphone issue during this episode, so it's not the usual sound quality that you would expect of The Wealth Journal, but please stick with it. Now, with that out of the way, let's get cracking. First of all, Betty, thank you so much for joining me on the Wealth Journal podcast this week. It's an absolute pleasure to, to have you on. One thing that I'd like to do with my, with my guests when I first get them on the podcast, before you really um, introduce yourself, the podcast mainly focuses on, on building wealth. And for me, wealth covers a huge amount of different topics, whether that's uh, investing or building a business or working on a project or even when it comes to mental health or physical health, think wealth can spread across a, a plethora of different subjects. Uh, so I like to ask my guests what what wealth means to them, really. Um, and while you think about that, I'll, I'll sort of give you an insight in terms of what it means for me. And really, wealth isn't you know a Lamborghini and a massive mansion for me. It's more just having, I guess, time and freedom and options um, is sort of my pursuit towards towards wealth and just give me that that time to do what I what I want to do. But I'm keen to, as somebody who's a founder and entrepreneur of a business, what what wealth means to you? Yeah, that's a really cool question. Thank you for having me on. Um, first of all, thanks very much. Um, yeah. yeah, wealth to me, I'm quite similar um, to you. I've, I've never personally aspired for this like idea of um of great financial wealth it's not something that I've ever um you know tried to achieve my idea of wealth is housing stability and the ability to provide for my kids um the ability to live without worry um you know so anything could come up and I I know that we're fine um but also creative freedom and and autonomy as well like um you know having spent so long uh you know we've always so psych and I my husband we've always worked for ourselves so we have been very privileged in that and that has provided us a lot of wealth not financial but um 
you know, the freedom to move around. We travel a lot, but uh, well, prior to prior to the pandemic. Um, but yeah, create yeah, complete creative autonomy without without worry. It's it's like this magical unicorn that I didn't know if it existed, and and here we are, and I'm living that. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I love that. Love that very much the same. I think when I was a little bit younger, I'd probably say wealth maybe was a bit more about the Lamborghini and um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. But as I've grown up and now I've got a family of my own, I think uh, yeah, wealth is definitely more that time and like you say, security really and freedom to do to do what you want. I love that about autonomy as well. I think um, I can resonate with that. Um, no, thanks for that. Uh, I guess the next point really is for you just to introduce yourself a little bit more. So. Obviously, you're Betty from from Deadfellas. It'd be great if you could just give mm-hmm. me a bit of a background in terms of you know who you are and and a bit more about what Deadfellas is. Yeah, totally. So um, I am Betty. I founded Deadfellas uh, with my husband Syke. He is the artist, um, and I am the concept creator and um, basically everything else. Um, we we have been working on our project for since early last year. Um, we entered NFTs early last year and around mid kind of time, we really, really threw ourselves into Deadfellas. Um, my personal background, I am uh, so many things. I've <laughs> When I speak to the people in my community, they're like, how many lives have you led? Um, I do a lot. I do a lot. So I've worked in creative production for a long time. I am by nature uh, a a creative producer I always have my entire life since a young child been organizing and creating and um innovating and and kind of working outside of the the box and so uh my trajectory I guess has just led me here I've studied everything from science to marketing um I I'm very heavily involved with like grassroots organization and community building um, on a local level, but also on a, a global level as well. Um, we have run a, an agency, a creative production agency. We have clients um, that do all kinds of things. I can't, I don't really like to talk about uh, the <laughs> the agency side of things, but that is my background with, with psych as well. So we've had a really great, um, a great path here. And I think that everything that I've done to this point, um, you know, while, while I was doing those things in succession, it's, it's easy to, to wonder like, was that worth it? Or, but I feel like all of the skills that I, um, acquired through all of the different things that I've done in my life have led me here and have just happened to be like the perfect, um, I guess, amalgam of what you need to run a successful project. So, we are just having a really fun time because it's like all of these things that we are so good at. Finally, we have an outlet that we can just throw ourselves into. It's amazing. It's very fun. Yeah, no, that must be great. That must be great. And I guess prior to, to Deadfellas, have you always been sort of entrepreneurial and working on like projects? I know you obviously <laughs> you had your own agency, which is yeah. obviously your own business, but outside of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, both of us are. I am constantly thinking of ideas and we could do this and we could do that. We are those people that buy up like URLs because we have like the next best idea, you know, like I, <laughs> I'm i lucky to have friends that are like that too and friends that live like that. So um, it's fun to be surrounded 
surrounded by people that kind of um, believe in that sort of thing because, you know, for often entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, um, it can be quite a scary thing to, to trust yourself in because it's often very new, the ideas that you have. And, um, yeah, I'm lucky to be surrounded by people that encourage that. Yeah, fantastic. No, that's good. That's good. And as a as a husband and wife pairing, do you sort of complement each other as well? I, well, I assume you do from Dead <laughs> Yeah, we do. We do. We work really well together. And I think because we know each other so implicitly and, um, you know, a lot of the things, I mean, art brought us together when we first um, got together and art has been an integral part of our relationship um, forever. And it's a big part of our family life as well. So we're completely surrounded by art and music and, um, you know, we appreciate movies and books and all of those sorts of things I think that those shared interests but that deep understanding of each other as well and then holding you know what the other person does in terms of skill set it's just like a perfect um a perfect mix like I am not the visual artist but I am a creative in other ways and what I bring psych doesn't have and so it's just like yeah it's it's a really great um it works really well. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna circle back on a few um, questions around how you how you actually manage a project with having a family, um, because obviously it's uh, it's relevant to me as well, really. Uh, but in terms of just, I guess, for anybody who doesn't know what Deadfellas is, how would you how would you sort of summarize Deadfellas as a as a project that you've been working on these last however many months? Um, Deadfellas is, uh, for anyone that is not familiar, um, an NFT project on the Ethereum blockchain. We are, um, for want of a better word, zombies, um, but I, I don't see them as typical zombies. Um, we corner a, a niche that is, I think, culturally significant for a lot of people because you can really see the essence of yourself, I think, in a lot of the characters. So because we drew from our own interests of, um, you know, different movies and different time periods and different genres of music and, um, you know, comics and all of those sorts of things, I think that it really touches something that you can um, attach to emotionally. So I know that's it might sound dramatic to talk about cartoon things that way. Um, but that's how I feel. Um, it came from an emotional place when we were creating it. And I think that people do get attached to them um, emotionally in that way, in the same way that you do with other things that you collect. Um, none of our traits in our collection are gendered. So every um, combination of traits um, could be any gender, which is another thing that I was very passionate about bringing to um, the NFT world. Um Inclusivity is a big part of um, of my mission as a person. Um, I want to see more women and gender diverse people in the NFT space and in crypto in general. So, um, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I think um, I think as I've been exploring the crypto space, it, it definitely still feels and maybe traditional with or similar to other. I guess, financy aspects of the world. It's quite male dominated. And 
I think um, I think projects that well, like Dead Fellows and obviously with with yourself and um, some of the topics that you've been speaking out about has been um, has been really encouraging to see. And I think um, I think you've done a great job in, in that. But I, I, I recognise that there's still, and I think you've mentioned it on the past, looking at some of your your posts, that there's there's still quite a lot of issues within the space. I know you you posted maybe a few, a few weeks back, and it reminded me of. Um, of a quote from Neil Stevenson's um, Snow Crash, which I think everyone's probably been reading at the moment, um, where you get these sort of male techies that almost think they're, they're too smart to be sexist. And I think that does exist a little bit in the, um, in the NFC and the crypto world, um, which, is, which is, of course, a shame. How do you think this, the space can sort of help and be a little bit more inclusive going forward? Um, so... Feminism and uh, and inclusivity is something that I'm very passionate about. And in the real world, um, I feel we've made far greater strides than I see in crypto and NFTs. I feel that when I got involved in crypto and NFTs, it felt like going back in time a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's largely to do with the um, the imbalance of the people actually within the space. So, um, you know, statistically, it's hard to gauge, but people are saying it's around 75% um, men, which, you know, isn't representative of the real world. And when a large part of those people um, maybe don't necessarily deny that sexism is a thing in a space, but don't experience it themselves or refuse to look past their own experience, it's um, it's a bit difficult because, you know, minorities and marginalized people within the space can advocate uh, for themselves, but when they're advocating for themselves against um, a completely imbalanced space, it, it doesn't have the effect that it needs to. And so um, to, to move forward together, I guess, as a, as an industry and as a community, I think that um, everyone needs to, to identify where they can make changes and, um, and speak out. And we are seeing that, um, but, you know, I guess when a man talks about this sort of thing, like uh, a, a prominent influencer spoke about this, uh, basically one of the exact, almost the same tweet that I threw out um, and he received a really great um, response and I received like trolling, <laughs> like trolling for three days. So it's like, you know, if you speak about your own experience, um, often that is met with backlash. I do... Um, appreciate that I moved through this space with a, a large amount of privilege, you know, more than many of the other people that are marginalized within the space. So um, I am coming from that place. But yeah, I think there's a long way to go. But I think that we have the foundation of something that can be amazing. You know, we're building something together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think obviously people like yourselves are definitely helping to to pave the way. And the more you're, you you vocalize that and share your experiences. I think that can only um, help people that are maybe on the sidelines a little bit unsure that hopefully you encourage other people to enter the space to make it more inclusive. And yeah, I think we can all agree that some of the, some of the comments and things that you might have, you've had is just, yeah, it's, it's terrible. I knew it was dominated obviously by, by men, but I just didn't uh, probably naively just didn't expect that sort of level of, um, yeah nastiness sometimes uh, and i know it exists online which is yeah obviously a shame but yeah i think it's um, yeah it is um that 
that part of what I do, uh, it does take its toll on my mental health sometimes. Um, you know, I, I feel like male founders have a very different experience to, um, to me. So I, I do receive, um, from the very beginning, you know, people in my DMs, like (laughs) explaining, even explaining what NFTs are like, you know, to that level. And, um, I don't feel like men have that same experience, but at the same time, um, as you said, I'm, I am here. I, I am happy doing my work and I love, I love the space. Like it's not all doom and gloom. It's like an amazing, incredible opportunity to be here and it's exciting. And generally everyone is just so welcoming and I think very hopeful because we are building it. It feels like, you know, a lot of the things that are going wrong in the world at the moment, it can feel quite hopeless working against systems that are already in place and, um, you know, how can we remedy this and that? Whereas in, in this industry, it feels like we are, we have real impact. And, um, I was speaking to a friend yesterday, Mech, and, uh, how she put it is like the paint's not dry yet. The cement's not dry. Like we, we have this really cool opportunity to, um, to shape things and to, um, create a future that we want to see and, and really remedy the, the, you know, the problems in the world with a lot of the tech that's being developed. It's very cool. Um, and yeah, I am hopeful. Yeah. And you know what? It probably, it probably comes from a place of, of jealousy, doesn't it really with the, uh, with some people <laughs> that reach out because you know, your project, Maybe. yeah, it's, it's probably one of the, you know, it is one of the coolest ones out there. You've had incredible success. Um, it seems to just be going from strength to strength. And I think people that find it easy just to, yeah, be nasty online or whatever are generally the ones that in the nft world are not going to make it if that makes sense so um yeah i think just keep do, keep doing what you're doing because i think you guys are doing doing an awesome job um just circling back on the on the success of dead fellas then it has been an incredibly successful project i know um was it even maybe a, a last week it became like a, a top 10 uh, project on OpenSea. um what do you think sort of been the foundation of dead fellas success um, this is so cliche, but I honestly feel like the community, um, is, is so amazing in, in, in general in NFTs, but in, in dead fellows, especially, um, I feel very lucky and, uh, very honored to be surrounded by so many people that, um, see the vision that I see for dead fellows. Like I am very committed and very sure of myself and of, my brand and what I'm building. And I'm very happy that that's translating to the people that are um, joining us uh, by, by buying dead fellas. Um, it's a very special thing and it's a very new thing. I think to have that relationship with um, the consumer of, of something that you create, it's, it's not typical um, and it's not really seen in web two. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that the the driving um, of the project by the community and just um, yeah, um, I think it's it's the the cultural and social part of the the project as well. I think that's where a lot of people do really well. It's like you see all of the other projects that are doing well, and it's the same thing. People just really identify with what's being put out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think Dead Fellas would have been researching a lot of nft projects it just has that i don't know it's got a, a unique feel to it 
Um, I don't know what it is, whether it's whether it's the design, the artwork, the, the zombies, like you say, in terms of the the fact that there's no gender identifiers. Yeah, there's something that really drew me to the project, um, which is why I was very much excited to get you get you on the podcast. I think um I think that there's there's not many projects that corner that spooky but kind of cute vibe, like if that makes sense. Yeah. Um I think that generally human beings enjoy things that are a bit spooky I see it in my kids um and you know I'm sure you know like the goosebumps books and um all of that you know horrible histories and that sort of thing like kind of a bit morbid a bit spooky but also cool it's it's fun to experience I think in general and um yeah when we were creating the project we weren't looking at other projects we were looking at um our own influences and what inspires us and um that genre is very much part of what we love so yeah we wanted to bring that to the space i think that's where it's unique yeah no definitely definitely and as a as a founder of a project how do you sort of i guess measure the success is it is it about the community do you i can i can sort of imagine that you maybe you don't look at like the floor prices really of the project but um you know what sort of what what does success look like for dead fellas success for me um is turning over enough volume to drive the the um the projects that i want to do through dead fellas so the, the ideas that i have and how i want to see um the brand being used in different contexts and the projects that i am developing so um you know we've got the decentraland um space that is so awesome and continues to get even more amazing because of our dev team um you know all of that takes money and um you know the partnerships and merch and all of this stuff it all of it all of it takes money and typically you will have to go and get funding and permission and there's this big whole process whereas in nfts um, you have the ability to drive your brand, your brand based um, directly off of um, your own, I guess, turnover, which is um, where I see success. So, you know, it's, yeah, you're right. Looking at the floor price, um, it can feel exciting, I guess, when there's a run and everyone's really hyped. But at the same time, like you need to build a community that isn't obsessed with the floor because it's just so uh, small term. It's like, you really don't want a community of day traders. You want a community of people that see your vision and, uh, and you know, really love what's being built. Um, it's a red flag for me when founders talk about the floor, to be quite honest. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm even sort of scrolling through on Twitter and looking at some of the threads of people that hold dead fellas. You can definitely see that people want to literally hold them for life. Like they're, they're in love with dead <laughs> so, uh, They're like, I want to live on the metaverse with my dead fella, <laughs> dead fella forever. So I think that's, um, I think that's pretty cool. And I mean, I've done a, I've done a couple of episodes on, on just NFTs in general. And one thing, one of my main um, pieces of advice to people buying NFTs is to, to really just um, purchase NFTs that you like, you know, treat it as a piece of art, something that you're happy to hold, whether the, whether the floor goes, goes up or down i don't see for me as a as an investor nfts is not i'm not really flipping i'm certainly just buying stuff that i quite like really for now and then i'm not really concerned about you know the floor or anything like that so something that i can print off put in my office or anything like that is is sort of what i, what I, what I like to do i buy them for my kids because i think that's probably 
you know, one of the best ways to, to approach the space, in my opinion. I don't know if you've got any any sort of anecdotes for people that are looking to get into NFTs themselves. Yeah, um, I, I feel the same way as you. I think that, um, again, this is said so often, but only using money that you can afford to lose and doing your own research and all of that sort of thing, it all comes into play. Um, but when we look at what's actually happening, people are not always using money that they can afford to lose. And that's where the issue arises. You can't you can't bet it's such a volatile space. You cannot bet on what's going to happen because there are so many different things at play. It's not just the value of the NFT that you hold. It's um, the currencies that are on the blockchains and um, and even the things that drive that. So it's, yeah, you need to look at things that you enjoy and look at things that you love. And if you can afford it, then buy it and just hold it. Um, of course, if you are an amazing uh, day trader and like you're really good at flipping, then go go for it. But um, also, that's not financial advice. But um, yeah, my no, my my thing is as well. Like, if I have an emotional reaction to something, I'm more likely to buy it. And so, for example, cool cats. I am just completely obsessed with cool cats. I love them. I do have an emotional reaction when I uh, when I see them. My children love them that's also something that I take into consideration because I do buy them thinking like I'm not going to sell my cool cats I'm going to give them to my kids uh so we have three cool cats because we have three kids they're all going to get their own cool cat you know so um yeah that sort of thing yeah get involved in communities that you like you can quickly find that out by going into their discord server um checking the people on twitter what they're talking about the general vibe um, and just join a community that that you vibe with as well, and you'll just have a nice time. There's so many connections to be made. It's it's just generally very fun if you do it that way. Quick one. If you're building your wealth, you're an entrepreneur, you're working on a project, whether that be NFTs, Web3, or anything else when it comes to, to building a business, and you've got a story that you want to tell, then I want to hear about it. Please get in touch. You can follow me on Instagram, search Jay Hardy The Wealth Journal, Twitter, Jay Hardy TWJ, or send me a message on LinkedIn. Thank you. I just sort of want to go back to a little bit of when you when you started Deadfellas and, and almost taking that that initial leap into into your own project. I know you know you didn't secure any like additional funding. I think you self funded the project, and um, I'm always quite keen to understand the mindset of an entrepreneur to, to to just give up an element of their cash, their savings. You know, you could spend that money to go on holiday or have a nice weekend with the kids, but you decided to to actually invest in in, in, a, in in a side project um what just what was your mindset behind that decision really is it was it just to like you say get that autonomy explore a new space what prompted you to just go ahead and do that we were in a terrible position um in every way we had suffered majorly with the pandemic all all of the largest contracts that we had were based off of international events and um, you know, huge things that were going on in the world that had to be cancelled or postponed. So all of our creative contracts um, died with that. And so we lost so much money. Um, that and that there is a housing crisis here in Australia based off of the pandemic as well. So we were evicted. Uh, we ended up moving three times last year, um, continually evicted because the owners of the houses that we were living in we're selling the house from under us um, because the housing prices here have doubled in the last like four months alone. Um, 
so it's it's all very um it's very intense to be here at the moment um yeah there's a lot going on and so there were a lot of different um events that led us to that point you know we had uh even the bushfires like <laughs> it's just so much um and then when we discovered nfts at the start of last year it it felt like um like the clouds opened a little bit it was like this is actually a really amazing opportunity not only for us to create something for ourselves but for the world in general um and we had been you know slogging for a, for a long time um over the the pandemic and about one year before uh because of illness and things so yeah for us this represented um like a like a saving grace i guess um we threw ourselves into it because i knew that we could do it i was very sure of our ability um psych had been asked to do artwork on many many different projects um prior to doing our own one and i was like look this is essentially what we do um together anyway let's just do this ourselves um and the idea came very very immediately we we didn't need much time to like uh conceptualize anything it just kind of came perfectly and organically and we put it together and dedicated every minute of every day for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and put everything else aside um it was very difficult uh and a lot of work and very risky i guess i have a high risk tolerance <laughs> um but it, <laughs> but it worked out and uh it was like you know we we launched on august 13 august 13th 2021 and uh we did it at 2am because that was um the best time for the northern hemisphere for the us which is the majority of uh oh it was the majority of the space at that time um and uh yeah i remember just sitting there um after having no sleep for days and just watching the project sell out in front of my eyes and um and just being in complete disbelief but also not i knew it was going to but it was like seeing it happen uh was so surreal um it took a really long time to get out of the completely stressed uh place that we were in um but now we're just cruising and just <laughs> i don't feel like it's real life sometimes i'm like how how is this happening um but it is and uh i feel so incre- incredibly privileged to be able to do this well yeah no it's um it's a it's a great story i think um although it although it feels like it's probably happened quite quickly i guess like you said you've you've worked for a number of years you've both built up quite a lot of skills um through hard work he was able to almost identify this opportunity when it when it came available assess the the risk and reward and then and jump in and then actually work very hard to get to where you are now putting a lot of hours which i know would have been incredibly difficult with a family and the three young children um yeah i think um sometimes the nft space obviously for for people buying nfts or just trying to get access to to whitelist or early mints it almost feels like a bit of a get rich quick but actually there's a lot of hard work as well that goes in particularly from from the projects and the founders um i've 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 certainly seen that 
from quite a few different projects. I guess coming back to it, in terms of you guys having a family, young children, how have you sort of managed that and just balanced that out? Yeah, um, it's it's been really difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was really hard, especially when we were putting together the project because we were in lockdown, so school wasn't in. And um, it was very much a case of us um, tag-teaming um, what we were doing. You know, we would do, like, shifts of... Um, looking after like the kids and then every single night we would have to work all night so we we really survived on very very minimal sleep um in order to do it and um yeah it's not healthy and I can't like (laughs) I can't like ethically recommend everyone like with children work every night and don't sleep but that was what it took for us to do it um the work is incredible. It's it's such a huge amount of work, and I think that people don't realise that. Um, yeah, there is, you know, there are projects that are in the space that are thrown together very quickly because, you know, this tech is readily available and you can quite easily find people that are willing to um, put together a project, at, like a rug, a rug pull, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, you can, ex- there's people being exploited for cheap art and, it's it's a terrible thing to see, but on the other side of the coin, um, you know, the people that are, are really innovating and, and throwing their hearts and souls into this are just regular people and that are working really hard and, and, you know, doing something that they're very passionate about, and it does take so much work. The work actually begins even more. I did not realise this, obviously, prior to launch, but after launch, <laughs> the work doubles. It's like... <laughs> Yeah. You know, if you think you're working hard prior to launch, after launch, it is even more. So it's just, you know, we basically haven't stopped working since like June, July last year. Um, so we're due a break soon. Yeah. <laughs> we're due a break soon. Um, but, you know, like I've been able to retire my mum. So like my mum can help us with the, with the kids now. Um they're in school and and so it's it is easier and it's getting easier um yeah well, that's great <laughs> hard work hard work pays off it pays off it does <laughs> yeah I think, and I think it that's the when it comes to you know for me one of the biggest things when it comes to building wealth yes you yes you can invest but probably the the best thing to do is for you to actually start your own projects build your own business um and that that does require hard work and um, no doubt there's the there's fear of failure there's people telling you that you can't do it but sometimes you've just got to you've got to push through and um, I think I think um, well well everyone I think everyone's glad you guys did because it's a great project Um, thank you Um, just in terms of the hard work thing though like I I do like to push back against like the hustle mentality because I think that we do sacrifice um you know physical and mental health when we go down that road too much so I can't say that how we have gotten to this point is ideal in terms of those things like um yeah we need we've we've had to make adjustments because it wasn't sustainable how we were working um and then as well I don't think success I think it's it's a matter of working hard on something but also bringing something that you truly are passionate about because if you're trying to force something that you think will do well or that you think people want I don't think that's going to work I think you need to be building things that you want that that um it just flows you know I think that's where people identify with what you're building yeah definitely no I I I agree with that in terms of 
building communities then? I know we've just briefly mentioned earlier about, I guess, Web 2 and, and the difference between Web 2 and Web 3. There is obviously a huge amount of excitement for, for Web 3 at the moment and you know the metaverse, NFTs. How, how different is building a community in Web 3 versus Web 2? And I, I guess what I'm alluding to here a little bit is, is a post that you sent out quite recently around the influencer culture, which we've seen in, in Web 2, actually being completely different from a Web 3 point of view. Can you talk a little bit around that? Yeah, it's very interesting because um, so building a building a brand or building a project in Web three is it's so much more bilateral than building something in Web two or you know in traditional um, the traditional corporate world. So you are not making a product and that you are just passing on to a consumer, and that's the kind of the end of that relationship. It's like a mutual value exchange. Mm-hmm. um so the community that you have and the con- well the consumer but they're you know part of your community um they're bringing as, as much value as as you are and you're building something together um the ownership of what is being built is shared as well which is something that the corporate world i don't think fully embrace at all at the moment and it's quite a terrifying concept to them because it is giving up you know a certain amount of power um, in that sense, the attitudes surrounding these sorts of projects are completely different and people are buying in a different way. They're not looking at, um, they're not looking at things in the same way. It's, it's like, how can I be involved? Not just what can I get? Um, influencer marketing is a funny thing in web three because it does exist and you do see it, uh, very often, you know, you'll see, like someone with a lot of influence in the space tweet about a project and it'll sell out immediately because people don't do their research and throw themselves into it. At the same time, if this is being done by brands, it isn't trusted. So it's like, you know, if you trust it in the community and you have a platform, it, it will, it does work. Um, it isn't always ethical in my opinion. And it's not something that I have chosen to do with dead fellas. Cause I feel like, organic and authentic connection with a project um lends itself to sustainability and longevity so that's that's where I'm headed with that and I think that's where a lot of projects are headed but on the the opposite side you do see these huge pumps and huge dumps uh when when you see a lot of the influencers in a space get involved um brands using influencers in a traditional way I don't think is embraced at all you know it's immediately called out for being phony people see beyond that it's not just like a read-only relationship anymore so I think if brands want to get involved in this space it it has to be a shake-up of systems and and their attitudes towards um IP and their relationships to their consumers it's it's all about what value you can provide um not what you can extract yeah I think even in the sort of traditional sense the way influencers are used now consumers are probably starting to get quite wise to it especially when brands are pushing products on influencers and you know that they're only really using that product because they're they're getting asked to um i think it can be it's quite obvious these days when that when that happens um one thing that did get me thinking about web 2 so obviously i've got the wealth journal podcast i don't i don't at this stage have any form of advertisement on the podcast 
But if I was to have the the podcast in a in a Web three world, I'm trying to think how that would look like. Obviously, because I've got I've got an audience of listeners, I could effectively share their ears with brands and and monetize that. But I'm trying to think how a, how my podcast could work in in Web three. Um, and whether I actually go down the route of just having a, a purely Web3 native podcast, but I don't even know if that can exist at the moment. Something I'm thinking about. I believe, uh, yeah, I believe that it can. I think that there is application for almost anything that's being created in Web2 or in, um, you know, the real world to be um, decentralized and brought into Web3. Um, we do see a lot of things in Web3 are not decentralized at all. And I think where we're kind of stumbling through that together. You know, what even is the metaverse? What even is Web3? The definition of those things will change depending on who you ask. Um, but yeah, I think it's all about, it is about taking risks and innovating and just seeing what you can do um, w- with the technology and, and the the space in general. So it is exciting. And I think that you could do it. <laughs> Yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? It's definitely something I'm 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 thinking about. I'm thinking about. Um, in terms of brands entering the space, obviously we've seen quite a few well-known brands um, even in the last few weeks enter enter this space. Some have probably done it a little bit better than others. Um, what do you think is a is a fairly good way of of a brand, a bigger brand, entering into this into this space with with credibility? Um, I think that respecting the people that came before you and have actually built the space and done the work, um, being a val- bringing value. So, you know, you see, I mean, the, the, the fails that I have, um, noticed or that I believe, um, haven't done it correctly are the ones that have just inserted themselves, you know, like this space has been built, um, in direct, challenge of of their world and then you know they they insert themselves back into this space that has been built challenge them themselves and are extracting value that then isn't always brought back into the the ecosystem so it's it's just kind of yeah just this extraction mentality and like what can I make it's it's all very um exploitative to me in 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 my um my opinion so I think that to enter the space in a valuable way you need to be uplifting artists you need to be supporting the creators that are here um, act, actually get involved and engaged but also just listen um, you know like before I think a lot of people just individuals before they get involved in in the NFT space a lot of people do just sit back and just watch things happen and you know read things and listen to things and kind of absorb a lot of stuff. And I think that that research obviously is being done by brands entering the space because they have these huge teams. Um, but it's not being done in a way that provides enough value. I don't know. I think that the um, the formula is wrong with with a lot of people that have entered the space that way. It's been done really well a, few, a couple of times. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I know um... – Quite recently, obviously, Adidas entered the space, and I, I got the general vibe that, that was seen as as some a project done quite well um, with the the way in which they engaged with the the community and sort of partnered with obviously the the Board Eight Yacht Club and G Money. Um, but then at the same time, I think the the execution and whether it's just the nature of of NFT, there's people in the space that are quite savvy 
uh, when it came to the the public mint, it, it became a bit a bit crazy. And I know a few people that maybe jumped in for the very first time probably got burnt a little bit as well, given the the hiking gas fees and things like that. So I, I imagine Adidas took probably quite a lot of learnings from it, but I think at the same time they obviously brought a lot of awareness to the space as well. Um, I don't know if you've got any thoughts around that. Yeah, I do. Um, I think that in terms of Adidas, I think that they did do it well. Um, again, you know, not everyone's going to agree with me and that's fine. That's what makes this space so, so beautiful. It's kind of built by, um, by the community. So everyone has their own opinion and, um, and that's how we improve. Um, but I think that, yeah, you know, it, maybe the mint could have been done better in general. I think in terms of a brand entering the space, um, they brought validity to the space, uh, you know, the bridging between what we're building here and what is in the real world is going to be necessary for mass adoption uh, or to, you know, to just spread this sort of technology to um, other applications. Um, so I think it was it was great. Um, I actually know the team, know some of the team that, um, that were responsible for that, and I think that they're very – involved in the space and generally just absolutely love the space so that it's come from a place of deep understanding um and you know working within that corporate frame I think they did well in in other instances with other brands that have entered it was just almost offensive um and I think a lot of people felt the same way so but again you know they're going to learn from that and we'll come back hopefully in a with a different um tactic or you know I I don't know how that's going to look to be honest but um I think I hope that as we move through this year it's it's something that the community holds people and brands accountable for yeah definitely um no I, I covered um I covered the Adidas project on on a previous episode of the podcast because uh, I, I was ex-Adidas myself I used to work there for for eight years so I was very interested and um I'm connected to quite a few of the few of the people involved as well um and i thought i thought they did they did a very good job and like you say very much in touch with the with, with the community and and um obviously love the project so uh it did actually remind me of the days when we um were launching you know kanye west yeezy trainers and things like that and people people missed out they didn't get hold of them it was it's the, very much the same thing people weren't happy about that either so i think that's um it's always going to be the case when there's something that's limited and exciting and people want to get their hands on it there's there's always going to be people that are that are disappointed um yeah totally it was uh it was definitely interesting um so i guess just before we finish i've got i've got a few final questions for you um betty just very quickly in terms of dead fellas for, I know you've got like a roadmap into, into uh well this year, I think you're bringing out um, dead friends, is it? Or dead fellow friends. Um, yeah. Dead friends. Yeah. Dead friends. Yeah. Which is exciting. But what do you think dead fellas could look like in like five years time, 10 years time? Do you have a vision for that? I absolutely do. Yeah. I see dead fellas as like a cultural pillar. Um, in terms of pop culture in general of, of like a, of society, I feel like it represents so many um, different people and different niches. And um, it's, it's very alternative. It provides at the moment people uh, a bit of an online home. Uh, I see that growing and growing. Um, And, 
yeah, we we have already started extending ourselves into um, different sorts of media. Uh, I see as in gaming and fashion and music and um, all kinds of things. It's very exciting for me because I feel like we have such a strong brand um, and I'm eager to push that into um, into various forms of, of culture that people can um, enjoy. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That's good to hear. I think um, I quite like just the Dead Fellas logo itself, you know, the, the skull. I could definitely see that <laughs> on a, I, yeah, I could see that on some on some sort of apparel or clothing. So I'd be definitely excited if, if you did something like that. Yeah, um, we've had a lot of people that have um tattoos of it, <laughs> which is <laughs> really fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm not at that stage yet, but uh <laughs> I'll let you know if that changes. <laughs> <laughs> um and then more just like your your own personal goals for 2022. I think I read a tweet from you that you, you don't like to set New Year's resolutions, but you like to work in seasons. And um, I thought that was pretty yeah. cool, actually, because for a full year, you tend to maybe your goals get a little bit outdated towards the end of the year. So working in seasons is actually quite a nice timeline. Uh, what, are your, yeah. what are your own personal goals? Yeah, so I think um, we're off that. We're just we're dynamic and we change. Um, we change in different seasons but also with, with, as we accumulate different experiences and maybe our goals are completely different by the end of the year, like you said. Um, for me this year, I want to um, solidify my schedule into a healthy situation so that I am able to do my work, um, but also invest in myself, um, you know, mentally and physically and just being able to be um, as strong as I can to continue this because it is a, it is a lot of pressure I don't think that people um realize the really the, the amount of pressure that you can be under as a founder um I deal with it <clears throat> fairly well and so does psych but I think that is the agency background um and that <laughs> maybe even parenting young children to be honest um so I I want that this year but I also want to actively have um an impact on onboarding more women and gender diverse people to the space so that's what I'm going to be working on personally um aside from all of the the lofty goals that I have for dead fellas I have a lot of goals this year (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah I'm just taking it taking it as it comes going from season to season yeah it's it's good because I have that broken up um in my professional goals as well like we've we're very uh, driven and we have everything laid out in front of us so mm. fantastic that well, sounds great I'm excited to see how the project develops um, how you guys develop going forward I think Dead Fellas is 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 a really you know, really cool project I love I love the artwork I like what you guys are doing in the space I just like what you're doing as an individual in in general I've enjoyed following following you on, on LinkedIn and on Twitter and um, a lot of the posts that you put out are um, very educational and definitely have opened my eyes over the last few sort of weeks and months since we since we connected. So I just really appreciate you spending the time to to join me on the podcast. Um, you know, can't I can't thank you enough. Um, I'm sure the listeners of the Wealth Journal will um, take a huge amount from from this episode as well. So um, credit to what you and and Psych are doing, um, particularly raising a family at the same time and hopefully that brings a, a nice amount of balance to your life as well it, it does with me sometimes it's hard but I think it does actually bring um, an element of balance so 
Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, I agree. It's uh, So the, the kid thing is so true. I think that a lot of people don't have a reason that forces them outside of their work. Whereas for me, they're my priority. So, you know, I, I have forced breaks because I am playing with them and, um, you know, hanging out with them or even just taking them somewhere like, yeah, it's, it forces me out of the space, which I think is, is a uh, benefit. I, yeah, I think it's great. They're also, they're also being raised by people that have been, that have found success through being creative and innovative. So I think that what they gain from what we're building is far beyond financial gain. It's, you know, encouragement to be themselves. And it's, it sounds so cheesy, but, you know, I can, I can honestly say to my children, like, you can be yourself and you can be creative and you can still find success as other people define it. And, and I think that's very powerful. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I love that. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll they'll benefit from that. yeah yeah well Um, thank you for having me on it's been nice chatting to you yeah no worries thank you so much and um i'll I'll obviously keep in touch and um yeah keen to see how how you guys progress in the future great thank you i hope you enjoyed that episode with betty i know i personally personally did i was actually a little bit nervous before interviewing betty because in the nft space she she really is sort of nft royalty and i was i was very excited but also at the same time very nervous um but it was great it was great talking to betty and if you want to hear more about betty and what she's up to then i urge you to follow her on twitter uh, you can find her just by searching betty and on linkedin as well she does some really good posts especially if you're looking to just learn a little bit more about nfts in general and the space i urge you to check that out also If you enjoyed this episode and you want to follow the podcast and make sure it arrives in your weekly podcast queue, then hit that like button or subscription or follow or whatever it is that that your podcast provider offers you so we can make sure this podcast arrives on a regular basis. And uh, leave a review, uh, a comment and rate the podcast. That would be much appreciated. Helps the podcast grow. Massive thanks for listening and I will speak to you again next week. Take care.